Hello and welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to Current Business Landscape, how insurers and compliance professionals are making an impact. With your moderators, Karen Pollitt, Scott Whitaker, and Karen Horan. Thank you for joining the AICP podcast today. Uh, the AICP stands for Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals. Uh, my name is Karen Pollitt, and I'm on the national board with AICP, and I'm joined by Scott Whitaker. Uh, the AICP is a national insurance association that has exceptional compliance and ethical education. Uh, we try to bring forth opportunities to engage with industry experts and regulatory authorities. And we are honored today to have one of those distinct regulatory authorities. We have for you today, Karen Hornig, who is CEO of NIPR, the National Insurance Producer Registry. It's a Kansas City-based technology company that supports the insurance industry. Uh, Karen has led NIPR since July 2014. Ms. Hornig previously served as Deputy Insurance Commissioner for the State of Maryland beginning in 2008, uh, where she assisted in the development of the agency's legislative package, managed the operations of the Maryland Insurance Administration, including the Agency Information Technology Division. She serves in various legal roles, including Chief Legal Counsel for the Baltimore Police Department, City Solicitor for the City of Baltimore, Assistant Attorney General for the State of Maryland, and as litigator in private practice. Ms. Hornig also worked in higher education, serving her alma mater as vice president for enrollment management and is an adjunct professor at the University of Maryland School of Law. She currently serves as chair of the Kansas City Tech Council and vice chair of Kansas City Warnall Majors House Museums. A native of Maryland, she received her bachelor's degree in history from Notre Dame of Maryland University and her Juris Doctor from the University of Maryland School of Law. Karen, welcome. Thanks, thank you, Karen, and thanks, Scott, for having me. It's so nice to be back with AICP. I had a wonderful time uh, last year in Denver uh, during your annual conference, so it's a great honor to be back with you, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome, you're welcome. So we wanted to get together today to talk about the impact of insurance uh, and how it's impacting our lives, especially right now with all that's taking place across the country and and globe. Uh, We're reminded that insurance has an impact in everything that transpires in the world. And uh, we're wondering what your thoughts are on the importance and impact of insurance during these times of, of crisis. Like how is it impacting lives and businesses now with what we do? You know, there's, I think for everyone, this is the, a most extraordinary time that, that we are living through. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the, the recent murder of George Floyd and the uprisings that that has led to, uh, it is a, a, a remarkable time in our nation's history. And it always strikes me when we are in crisis the insurance industry is always 
at the center of that playing a very significant role. And whether we're in crisis individually or as today, collectively, there are a real myriad of regulatory and public policy issues that are front and center right now. And significant ones include, of course, health insurance and many of uh, the the details around health insurance. Uh, And certainly you cannot pick up a, a trade paper or even mainstream media and not read about the debate that's raging within the business community and politically about business interruption insurance. So insurance leaders are really being called upon to strike the right balance between protecting their customers and protecting their businesses from claims they deem outside the scope of coverage. And how that balance is struck, I think, will really influence the reputation the industry carries into the future. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. These are extraordinary times that we're dealing with. And Karen, so, you know, with the onset of COVID-19 first, it's the, it's the item that hit us first in 2020, really. Um, and, you know, as we look at the insurance industry job force, you know, generally speaking, and compliance professionals specifically, as it compares to other occupations as a career choice, do you think that we fare well by comparison? Um, you, would, you know, when you're when you think about that, you know, would there be any industries that could not operate as efficiently as insurance companies or compliance professionals? Right. I think, you know, we're very lucky uh, as individuals that are are working within this industry today. I think in the short run, our industry has been insulated from the immediate impact of the pandemic. Most of us are lucky enough to work in jobs that leverage technology. So remote working has been possible. And frankly, I have been impressed and somewhat shocked that we have done as well as we have in pivoting to uh, a remote working environment as uh, effectively uh, as we have. I think that the long-term impact on our industry is, is more of a question because with respect to the pandemic, there are really two things that, that we have to consider in parallel. First is the immediate impact of the crisis and the immediate impact of stay-at-home orders and businesses shutting down and, and uh, our, our economy taking a swift and difficult hit. But there are going to be longer-term consequences to the economy that will probably last over several, uh, several years, frankly. And I think we can expect to see longer-term impacts to every industry uh, as a result of that. And I, I don't think we will be fully insulated from that. But overall, yes, I think we've fared very well by comparison. I just, I, I very recently was was speaking with uh, someone in the industry uh, who was bringing a relative on to work at their company. Uh, they work in an insurance licensing regulatory environment, and then COVID nineteen hit, and their their relative asked, would, would, would they still be employed? Because where they were, le- the job they were leaving from, they had closed down business and shut down, and mm-hmm. they were letting all their employees go. 
and they were they were they were happy to tell them that sure yeah we're, we're still working uh we haven't missed a beat um and and yeah you're going to join us in two weeks and and, and we're going to keep moving and so i thought i thought that that was an, an indication of maybe of how sustainable of a career choice the work we do might look to students. Do you have any feelings on, do you think we might be able to attract more of students with the many risk management programs that are going on at the universities and, and folks beginning to understand and know about insurance careers? Because many of us who started in insurance, we, we kind of ended up in it. We didn't <laughs> go to school for insurance. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, you know, for many of us, if if you would have, you know, you know, the, you know, the joke in insurance is no little kid says, I want to be in insurance when I grow up. Um, and then and then the fact right. of the matter is, you know, we end up in this in, in this industry that to me uh, is end, endlessly fascinating and relevant and uh, mission critical to the national and global economy. And so there's several things. I think it is absolutely a, should be attractive to students looking for sustainable career choices. There are a lot of opportunities that are more than, far more than what most students think about when they think about insurance, and that is sales. You know, there are whole infrastructure within the insurance industry that I don't think we do a good enough job talking about. And looking at or promoting insurance from a risk management and mitigation perspective, I think is enormously important. Sometimes how you talk about what what you do is very important. And that gets to another point, and that's mission. I find with our younger team members that a, a sense of mission in their work is enormously important. Not that it hasn't been important to our generation, but I think it's more so uh, in, in, in younger team members. And so helping people see the value of the industry on a very macro level and in people's in people's lives, I think is is very important. So the issue is going to be how we appropriately leverage the industry's role and response to the COVID nineteen crisis uh, in a way that people young people better understand what it is that we actually do and what the opportunities are in the industry. Yeah, good point. So Karen, do you think sort of another follow-up on that item would be, you know, the, the media around this, you know, especially with states that have, have published requirements around premium refunds or things like that. Do you think that would help educate those who really in the past maybe haven't understood insurance or things that go with it when they see, you know, from a regulator perspective, you know, they see the state saying, hey, you need to do X, Y, Z with premium or look at the policies or help the consumer. Do you think that's been a positive in the awareness from a insurance perspective and maybe even from a regulator perspective of working for the state in the insurance industry? Absolutely. I, I think the reality is we all know the businesses with which we deal on a very retail basis. And when you get an email that says you're getting a refund or you're getting a credit for next year, you know, on your auto policy, 
that speaks to people. That is, that's an effective communication tool. And the industry is very aware of that. Um, that's why I think the, the business interruption, how we talk about uh, the, the business interruption issues are very important. Um, the message can't be, we're refusing to pay claims. <laughs> the message has to be, uh, we have to uh, fairly uh, adjudicate claims like we do all the time. Um, so I, I think this is really an opportunity for the industry to distinguish itself in a very, in a very positive way. And, and I think so far, I think so far they, uh, by and large, that really has happened. Well, and I sort of think, you know, as, as we look at that and, and you look at folks that are coming out of school today, um, you know, a lot of folks want the ability to work from home, work remotely, have those types of flexibility and locations. And we've, you know, we've heard of a lot of, uh, or some large insurance companies stating that when things get back to normal, they're not necessarily going to open up similar smaller brick and mortar offices going forward. For example, Nationwide um, indicated that in five of their operating states. Um, how do you feel that COVID-19 is going to change the insurance company's business models in the future? Yeah, it, it, you know, first of all, one of the things that I've done with my team, and we're still 100% remote at this time, and we're trying to, uh, we're evaluating uh, when we return to work and how that is, uh, how, how we do that. But I've urged people to stop uh, thinking about getting back to normal. I don't think we can't go back. We have to go into the future and embrace, you know, the grief and change and growth we have collectively experienced over the last, you know, almost four months. And I do think for the foreseeable future, there will be um, a very different approach to brick and mortar offices going forward. You know, in fact, insurance has been somewhat criticized within the last decade or so for being too slow, both on the delivery side, on the supply side, on the supply chain side for uptake in digitizing the experience, making technology more of the, the hub of, of the wheel. And I think that this experience is going to be a real tipping point. You know, for people of a certain age, and uh, I certainly qualify, I have always had a very natural resistance to the concept of remote work. It is so foreign to my experience over the last 40 years. And what I have found in a very short period of time is that for many people, while there are struggles and challenges, it's a very effective uh, way to work and a way to achieve work-life balance. And, and so I think moving forward, uh, we will definitely see a reduced investment in in brick and mortar. So when you look at the brick and mortar, there's probably even another piece of that to look at. And that is, you know, what do you think companies have learned about maybe getting more done with less travel and an opportunity there to lower the expenses, which all of us know has an overall impact partially on the premiums people pay? Sure. Uh, I do think for the foreseeable future that there will be far less spending around business travel and face-to-face -face meetings and conferences. You know, obviously that has, and I don't think that's just in the insurance industry. 
I think that is going to be the case in every vertical. And that has a dramatic impact on other industries, primarily hospitality and the airlines and other transportation industries. But I think that will be one of the most tangible and that that'll be a very tangible reality. Also, it will depend a great deal on how deeply the overall economy has been damaged. And so because tra- let's face it, travel is something that's easy to cut. So I, I think that, that uh, we won't see that come back for quite some time. Well, what do you feel about the industry carriers and the regulatory agencies and, and their, their agility to respond quickly to business interruption? I know we touched on a little bit of the things that, that need to be done, but, but overall, how do you grade? You know, I got to say it's a tough question because I feel like we're still in it so much. Um, I'm not sure yet that I have sufficient perspective to grade us yet. For NIPR uh, and, and, and for the listeners who, who aren't familiar with who we are, uh, we support producer licensing and creden- credentialing. So you know that's our that's our niche, and in about a six to eight week period, we processed technical changes in response to over a hundred orders issued by forty seven states involving either renewal or examination date changes and and uh, renewal periods for existing producers. And then in a number of states, the issuance of temporary producer licensing. And so we were able to stand up a lot of change in a very short period of time. But that had to be done all across the regulatory waterfront in uh, insolvency, in rates and forms, uh, in market conduct you know, in in every possible area. And I think what we'll see as we go forward and do some genuine retrospectives on this, I think we'll see that some uh, some areas fared better than others, frankly, and that there'll there'll be some areas where uh, we have to make it easier to be flexible and agile. If you had said to me last year at this time, you know, let's do a tabletop exercise and uh, we're going to challenge you, you know, to process a hundred orders in six weeks. It, I would, I would have, I would have laughed you out of the room. So mm-hmm. it is sort of remarkable. Uh, and, and, and let's add to that. Everybody's remote and can't work face to face. Uh, and they're trying to educate their children at the same time. So it, it really is this been this sort of remarkable you know, social experiment. And I am, I am fairly humbled by how well we've done. Has it been perfect? Absolutely not. But given the inherent challenges of the state-based regulatory system in terms of, you know, you've got 56 different jurisdictions at play, I, I think it, it has, has been uh, fairly, fairly impressive. 
there, you know, they're, they're uh, in our space. There are going to be some areas that uh, we, we need to look hard at to make sure people, for, for example, can get their testing completed more effectively uh, remotely, you know, the, those kinds of things. But making sure payment can be electronic, making sure that there aren't paper uh, applications in, in certain situations. So, you know, there, there's, there's certainly room for improvement. So when you look at that sort of a follow-up, you know, when you look at the ability to respond, and I don't know if you have anything more to share around the importance of having a solid process for receiving and interpreting and communicating the magnitude of regulatory updates that started taking place in February timeframe and are still continuing to go on, even as states start to open back up and decisions are made, and now most legislators are going back into sessions. Can you share a little bit about that and and some the, the, maybe the the importance of that process, especially is to get that communicated internally, um, so that then consumers can be communicated and handled appropriately. Sure, I mean I I I could talk specifically, you know, from our experience. So as these orders started to come in, in terms of the internal communication. Obviously, the folks who work on the, we call it the state side, uh, who do the uh, technical work, uh, the regulatory work to implement those, those changes, they have to be heads down and steeped in that. But, but all of that information, likewise, has to be communicated to our customer support areas, the people who are every day talking to agents and brokers and producer compliance professionals and and have questions. So what what we did was used our website as as an information clearinghouse that ended up becoming uh, really the, the go-to, go-to source of information on producer licensing uh, regulatory changes during COVID-19 for the whole industry, uh, not just for NIPR. And, and w- what we did was we tracked the orders on a daily basis, posted every day, sometimes multiple times a day as there were updates coming in. And that way, our agents brokers, government affairs personnel. Uh, We're obviously very interested in this in uh, trade associations and carriers, agencies, agents, uh, and our internal uh, constituents, um, that we all all had the same information. We were all sharing the same information and getting as much real-time updates as, as were absolutely possible. So having a single source of truth, essentially, for uh, for producer licensing was very helpful, but that was just producer licensing. So then you had to, if you were in charge of more than just producer licensing, then you would have to pivot over to um, the NAIC website or SILA was providing a great deal of information. I'm sure AICP was providing a great deal of information. So I, I think the criticism would be that there that too many organizations had to duplicate each other's work because there wasn't an agreed upon sort of clear uh, single source of truth. I think the industry and the states are fairly used to NIPR as being that hub for for producer licensing, 
because we've been around for so long. But I think that clear, concise, rapidly updated information that's easy to search and access, that would be one of the things on my retrospective list going forward out, out of the pandemic. Well, Karen, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. Uh, we've had a, a healthy discussion on the, on the role of insurance companies and compliance professionals and and just how we're impacting lives and businesses right now with what we do and, and how that's changing in the current uh, landscape. For the uh, people out there in the audience who are listening, do you want to tell them how they could get in touch with NIPR or yourself? Sure, absolutely. Uh, thank you. Our website is very simple, nipr.com. And uh, my personal email at work is khornig, and that's H O R N. IG at NIPR.com. People can feel free uh, to email me or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Great. And and thank you so much again. uh, And for further information about AICP, we're at AICP.net. I appreciate all the information you shared, Karen, and hopefully those who listen to this podcast find value in it as well. We do these from time to time, so just keep note of that. Look out the websites. There's a lot of resources out there, as Karen shared, uh, to help us through the industry. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And that will do it for this AICP podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to be on the lookout for the next podcast. 